I'm Franco Terrazano. And I'm Chris Sims. And you're listening to the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast, where we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. And in this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the state of the country's books after the fiscal update. And we've got our federal director, Aaron Woodrick, who's going to be providing all the details that you need to know. And in Waste Watch, we have a story about some extra special corporate welfare. Yep, our tax dollars are going to companies in, wait for it, other countries. But first, do you, dear listener, have extra money lying around so you can pay an extra 29 cents a liter for gasoline? Because that's what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you an extra $20 just in the carbon tax to fill up a minivan soon. Because according to a government report, the Canadian carbon tax would actually need to be jacked up to $125 per ton to meet international agreements that our government has signed us on to. Yeah, I don't know about you, Chris, but I definitely don't have uh, buckets of cash just lying around (laughs) right now uh, so that the Trudeau government can feel better about themselves, about their carbon tax. And uh, yeah, I saw that report that you're talking about. I saw it reported on by Blacklock's Reporter. That's the investigative journalism website. Um, And just to give a little bit of context to our our listeners, sorry, uh, the current carbon tax is about $30 per ton. And, you know, that's already stinging Canadians. So, so this extra high carbon tax would be a huge hit on Canadians and Canadian families and our economy. Exactly. And this notion of a $125 per ton carbon tax, that's actually tamer than the one that we saw previously from the parliamentary budget officer. Remember when he said that the feds would need to impose a nearly $300 per ton carbon tax to meet those targets? Oh, yeah, I do. And let me just repeat that for our listeners here. The, the parliamentary budget officer, they, uh, he said that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would need to jack up the federal carbon tax um, up to about $289 per ton by 2030. That's 2030. That's less than a decade away from now. Uh, it's right around the corner and it's going to be here before we know it. And that'll be huge costs. That's, that's about 60 cents per liter more just for the carbon tax at the gas pumps. 60 cents per liter. So when you do that math, that's an extra $40 to fill up your average minivan or an extra $83 to fill up a standard pickup truck. Okay, time out there, Chris. You do that all the time. Whenever we say uh, a carbon tax is going to be this amount, you almost know immediately how much that's going to cost each type of car. I do. Um, That's because we actually have crazy high gas prices out here in BC. And along with that, of course, crazy high gas taxes. So one rainy afternoon, I sat down and I looked up the fuel tank capacity of the most popular vehicles on the road. So it turns out the Dodge Grand Caravan, super popular with families. It's a minivan. It has a 72-liter gas tank. The 1500 series light-duty Dodge Ram pickup truck, you see them everywhere out here in BC. I'm sure you see the same in Alberta. It has a fuel capacity tank of 121 liters. Diesels are even bigger. You get into those Ford diesel duallys, those ones are even bigger. And I did this because when commuters fill up their vehicles, they should know how much extra they're paying in the carbon tax in total during a fill-up, not just this cents per liter stuff. You know what? You remind me of back in back in the day when I was growing up and, and my family, we'd go on these long road trips and, and we play all those kind of crazy car games. I can just imagine uh, your family, Chris, playing a different type of road trip game. And that's whenever you pass any type of car, you, you, you point to it and you try to guess how much money Trudeau's carbon tax would cost it. 
I actually do do that, much to the chagrin of my family. My husband is nicer. He likes to play I Spy with the kids. Me, I'm pointing at big rigs going by saying $45, $45. Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> I'm not even a little bit surprised. But you know what, Chris? You're doing good work. We have to get the message out about just how much money this is costing Canadians. And it's really costing Canadians at the worst possible time. And not to be the bearer of even more bad news, but it looks like the Trudeau government is getting ready to hammer Canadians with a second carbon tax. And now I need to make something clear. Trudeau's second carbon tax, it's not going to be replacing the current carbon tax that we're talking about. It's going to be layering additional costs onto Canadian families and onto the Canadian economy. Now, we're expecting Trudeau to be bearing his second carbon tax in regulations, and we're expecting these regulations to force producers to try to reduce the carbon content of their fossil fuels. And if these producers can't meet Trudeau's requirements, then they're going to have to pay a second carbon tax. But here's the kicker. We already have economists who are warning that, you know, it's not just going to be the big producers that are going to be paying Trudeau's second carbon tax. No, far from it. Because Trudeau's second carbon tax will also hurt the mom and pop shops. Those costs are going to be trickling down to the consumers and everyday taxpayers and everyday Canadians. And it's also important to remember that this isn't going to happen in 2030. I mean, we're recording this podcast in early December 2020, and we're expecting these regulations to be announced uh, really any day now. Okay, we need to know how fast, because here in BC, we've been struggling with our BC carbon tax and our provincial version of the second carbon tax that you're talking about right now. And it's not pretty. I'll give you an example. Some of our listeners might remember back when BC Premier John Horgan was completely mystified as to why we had gas prices of $1.70 per liter last spring. All the while, he was opposing the twinning of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which of course delivers gasoline supply to Lower Mainland, and jacking up the BC carbon tax. He was so puzzled by this mystery, he actually called an inquiry into the cost of gasoline. But here's the catch. He wouldn't allow investigators to examine the actions of government. So if it's strangling a pipeline or jacking up taxes, that was off the books. The results of this investigation, they came back with a mysterious 13 cent per liter markup on BC gasoline. That was your second carbon tax cost. Yeah. And just imagine that on a national level. So I did an interview with uh, gas price expert Dan McTeague. He's the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy on Trudeau's second carbon tax. And, and here's what he had to say. So look for an impact of about 30,000 jobs. Look at a net loss of about $22 billion in capital. You mentioned earlier, this is the worst possible time when we need to grow the economy. Yeah, so these are going to be some big-time costs. Uh, they're expecting Trudeau's second carbon tax to cost about 30,000 jobs nationally and to increase the cost of gasoline by about 10 to almost 20%, just depending on what province you live in. And now here's what's really important. With everything that's going on right now, because there's a lot going on, it's really important for us to get the word out about Trudeau's second carbon tax. You know, a lot of bad policies are at risk of becoming real during this fog of COVID-19. And it's really going to be taxpayers. It's going to be everyday families who are already struggling, who are going to have to pay the price for that. Exactly. And that's why action is needed right now. We need to work really hard to stop this thing from happening, the second carbon tax, before it starts. Because I'll tell you, getting rid of a tax once it's already there is 10 times more difficult. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up action because we do need to take action. If, if you're really concerned about Trudeau's second carbon tax, head over to taxpayer.com. Uh, we have a petition there to stop Trudeau's second carbon tax, and, and we're also going to include it in the show notes in this show. Um, another thing that we're going to include in the show notes is an op-ed that myself and our federal director published that just really got, gives a deeper dive into what Trudeau's second carbon tax is all about. Um, and we're also going to include uh, links to the, the carbon tax higher cost report that we were talking about earlier on in the show and you'll be able to get that in the show notes as well all right it's time for deep dive and that's when we take a closer look into important topics for taxpayers and this week yeah there's really one obvious candidate for our deep dive segment and that of course is the trudeau government finally introducing a well uh, sort of budget after about 20 months of not having a budget because of that pandemic now, on the show today, we've got our federal director, Aaron Woodrick, who is here to break down exactly what the budget update means and what taxpayers need to know from the government's fiscal update. So, Aaron, what do you got for us? Well, Franco, I got some bad news. You might even call it sad news. It's news I never thought that we'd have to worry about. Uh, the budget update actually shows that Trudeau is spending so much money that he managed to break our debt clock. Oh, man. And this really is sad news. The debt clock's been a staple of the CTF. And let me explain that for our listeners. I mean, if you're a diehard CTFer, you know all about our debt clock. You know, it's that big old debt clock that we have showing our government debt going up in real time, second by second. And for the last three decades, you know, we've been dragging that thing from coast to coast all across Canada, uh, showing Canadians just how much money they owe because uh, politicians are racking up debt. And, you know, it's been one of our uh, best tools for holding politicians accountable. Uh, so, unfortunately, I think we made one grave mistake, and that mistake was to underestimate, you know, a politician's ability to spend other people's money. Yeah, and this government is one that's certainly breaking records in terms of not being gun-shy when it comes to spending. Uh, in fact, we're really only a couple of weeks away from being uh, $1 trillion in debt. And that's a that's trillion with a T. That's $1,000 billion. Uh, it's a one with 12 zeros after it. It's so big a number that we just didn't think we would ever need a debt clock uh, with enough digits to put that amount on a digital board. Well, I guess I guess there you have it. Hey, I guess uh, I guess we all know now for sure that the budget doesn't actually balance itself. And uh, speaking of budgets and not being able to balance itself, Aaron, let's dive into the specifics. Like, give us, give us the nuts and bolts. Give us the details on the budget updates. Yeah, I mean, let's start with just the top line number, uh, the deficit number. That's $381 billion. That's how big just this one year's deficit is. Uh, and to give you a sense of how big that is, uh, it's, it's more than the entire size of the budget alone last year, which was $355 billion. And in fact, for deficits, as recently as February, the deficit was on track to be 19 billion. So now it's 381 billion, 20 times the size it was supposed to be just nine months ago. Yeah, 381 billion. That's really an eye-popping number. Um, but I mean, it's really no surprise. Uh, we all know the Trudeau government is spending money left, right, and center right now. Just a serious question. I mean, is this, uh, is this huge deficit, is it bigger than what we were expecting? Yeah, it wasn't the worst case scenario, uh, but it was certainly sort of in the middle range. Um, in fact, the whole fiscal update itself just contains a, a sort of a, a menu of different scenarios. It doesn't really give us a hard number. And 381 is sort of on the low end of the range of their estimates. It could actually be as high as $440 billion, uh, deficit. So the point is, this is all money that's going straight onto the national credit card. 
Um, and in fact, this update shows that the Trudeau government is going to double the entire national debt in, in the span of about two years. Well, wait, wait a second there. I think I just heard something, um, and I just want to make sure I'm understanding what you said correctly. So um, just, just to be clear here, you're saying that the government is going to rack up as much debt in two years as every previous government has done since Confederation in 1867. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying they're going to add as much debt in two years as in the previous 153. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and it's uh, definitely hard to process here. We've got a trillion-dollar debt tap. You're now telling us about a $400 billion deficit. We've got a broken debt clock. Aaron, you must be uh, a real hit at parties that you go to. Yeah, it's a good thing we're not having any parties these days with all the social distancing because it would only be bad news coming for me. But it, it actually, believe it or not, it gets worse. Um, as much as they've spent so much money so far, you know, a lot of people would agree that given what we're going through, there was, it was going to be pretty hard to avoid spending anything at all. But the, the real issue is going forward. They've done something really unusual. Uh, and here's the finance minister, Christopher Freeland, to explain it. When the virus is under control and our economy is ready for new growth, we will deploy an ambitious stimulus package to jumpstart our recovery. Spending roughly 3 to 4% of GDP over three years. So what Freeland's saying here is that she wants to borrow up to $100 billion, which is that 3 to 4% of GDP figure she was mentioning, up to $100 billion over three years once the pandemic is over to spend on uh, stuff to be determined later. Yeah, that sounds like really uh, weird budgeting to me. I'm not even sure I really understand how that works. So it sounds like they're just picking, uh, picking an amount of money um, and then committing to spending it on something eventually. Is that kind of what's happening here? Yeah, it's a really strange way to approach budgeting when you think about it, right? Like normally you decide what you want to do and then you try and figure out how much money you have for it. These guys are going the other way. They're picking a number and saying we want to spend $100 billion and then we'll figure out some stuff that we can spend it on. It's pretty bizarre. Yeah, that, that is definitely a bizarre way of budgeting. And, and, you know, I've noticed there's other just some bizarre issues here that, that I'd like to touch on about government budgeting in general. And, and the first is just a lack of an actual budget. Now, for our listeners here, remember, this is not a legitimate government budget. This is a budget update. It's an update on the last budget. And it feels like forever ago was the last time when we actually got a legitimate budget from the Trudeau government. But Aaron, do you, do you know the exact or, or how many months have passed since the last actual federal government budget? Yeah, it's been about 20 months, believe it or not. So coming up on two years without a real budget, I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on right now, and there's a lot of stress to deal with, and things are changing rapidly, but you can't, really can't just throw transparency and, and planning out the window because times are tough. Yeah, uh, no kidding. And the second thing that I want to touch on in terms of budgeting is, um, you know, what we've been talking about, uh, you know, fiscal anchors or, or budget targets. And, you know, I'm here in Alberta, and our Alberta government's budget the provincial budget, it's an absolute mess. Um, but, you know, at least our Alberta finance minister, Travis Taves, at least he's talking about fiscal anchors or budget targets, like bringing our per person spending in line with other provinces. I mean, that's definitely something that the Alberta government needs to do. And it's good that they're at least talking about these types of targets. Um, so Aaron, were there any type of fiscal anchor or budget target from Ottawa's fiscal update? 
Uh, no, there wasn't. Uh, there was a lot more interesting rhetoric and metaphors. I mean, they talk about fiscal anchors. They talk about what they're calling fiscal guardrails. Uh, but surprise, surprise, they don't want to introduce those things until the pandemic's already over. So essentially, they don't want to put up any guardrails where the cliffs are. Uh, they just want to wait till we've already gone over the cliff and crashed on the ground. And then maybe they'll put up some guardrails on the flat ground. Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, good news for taxpayers here. And uh, speaking about taxpayers, I mean, we are the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast, so uh, we definitely need to talk about taxes. Um, Aaron, was there any uh, news on the tax front in this budget update? Am I going to be opening up my uh, Christmas gifts this year and uh, finding some tax relief for the holiday season? No, I, uh, I think you'd be happier if you got uh, coal in your stocking than what's in this budget, because uh, that would at least cost you less. Uh, not only are they not uh, lowering your taxes, which is unfortunate because it'd be a real simple and fast way to make your life a little bit uh, easier. Um, they're actually increasing taxes. So payroll taxes are going up. There's an alcohol tax that's rising, carbon tax, of course, and uh, to top it all off, the new Netflix tax as well. Oh, that sounds, that sounds just lovely. That sounds just lovely. Okay. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas indeed. Um, all right, Aaron. So, so what's coming next? You know, are we going to get an actual budget with some actual firm numbers anytime soon? I sure hope so. Government suggests that it's going to come in early 2021. Um, you know, I think that's the, the absolute latest uh, we can wait for it because by then it will have been about two years. And, you know, the government keeps saying things are changing too quickly. But the reality is most other uh, G7 countries have produced a full budget as well as most Canadian provinces. So there's really no excuse anymore. Yeah, no kidding. Time for excuses are behind us. And uh, on that note, Aaron, thanks so much for, for joining today to talk about the, uh, the federal government's budget update. You wrote a great op-ed that we're going to link in the show notes for any of our listeners that want to take a deeper dive into the numbers. And uh, we're also going to include a link in the show notes that you can go to if you want to help us put our debt clock back together. Well, it's time for Waste Watch. This is the part of the show where we make fun of the stupid, stupid things that governments do with your money. We've got Aaron Woodrick here, our federal director. You've got a crazy one for us today. What do you got? Yeah, you know, obviously here at CTF, we're not fans of what we call corporate welfare. That's when governments are picking their favorite well-connected businesses and they just throw a bunch of free taxpayer subsidies at them. We are big fans of entrepreneurs and free enterprise, but we are definitely not fans uh, when governments just pick businesses and give them big subsidies. Yeah, because here's the thing. Politicians and bureaucrats, they're bad at it. They're really bad at it. And the really the reason is because they're not betting with their money. They're betting with your money. You know, when you're making an investment with your own money, you, you put some due diligence into it. You want to make sure it's going to work out. If you're betting somebody else's money, well, let it roll, right? But usually the kind of corporate welfare we're talking about is the really big stuff, hundreds of millions of dollars going to Bombardier, to GM, all those kind of places. They get all the big splashy news, but there's a lot of just dribbles of corporate welfare that are leaking all over the place. And it adds up to millions and millions and millions of dollars. Tell us more about that. Yeah, a lot of people may not know there's actually multiple government agencies that exist only to shower that kind of, of corporate welfare on business. And it's just a terrible way to cultivate this culture of dependency where businesses start to just expect subsidies and really focus on them. But what's so crazy about the story today is that the company that the handout is going to isn't even based in Canada. Yeah, that is a, a weird turn on this one. Mostly politicians are doing this kind of stuff to try to buy votes 
in their own like ridings and so on. This one's on the other side of the world. How does that make any sense? Well, if it doesn't make any sense, but it happened anyway. And the Trudeau government, uh, what happened was they set up an agency in 2017 called FINDEV for, for financial development. And even though this, this uh, agency didn't have their head office set up yet, they actually didn't have most of their employees in place, they were still able to approve a $13 million taxpayer handout to a company that's based in Kenya. Yeah, see, and this, already this is getting crazy. So you'd want to have people double checking it. They don't even have people in there, you know, setting their desks up. They're firing out $13 million checks and going to the other side of the country or other side of the world, not the other side of the country, the other side of the world. It seems like a pretty good deal for Kenya, but not that great a deal for Canadians. How to work out on the other end though. Yeah, and this is the real capper on the jug is that it didn't even work out really well for Kenya because two days after this company, uh, it's a company called MCOPA Holdings. They sell a number of things, including cell phones and solar powered appliances. Two days after they got uh, the, the uh, subsidy, they actually fired 150 employees. That's just so crazy. So you think about it, like a $13 million check, like that's got to take like a what, like a week or two to clear? So it's sitting there, they got the check, it's in the bank. They, like As soon as they can take the money out, boom, 150 people, here's your pink slips, hit the road. How in the world can this happen? This is crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a new heights for waste. I mean, it's just mind blowing that, uh, you know, you're, you're sending, they're sending this money, you know, you would think, you know, first of all, it's not creating jobs in Canada, but yeah, maybe it creates jobs somewhere else, but it didn't even do that. Uh, they, they actually fired people. Jobs were lost as a result of this corporate welfare. Yeah, that's insane. It's almost like they were, this was like an innovative program where they're trying to find new ways to waste money as if Ottawa doesn't have enough ways to waste money. Hey, maybe we can uh, fire this over to a business in Kenya who's going to fire all their employees. This is crazy. This is a new frontier of waste. Well, this is a government that likes to talk about innovation, but uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting them to innovate on ways to waste, but apparently they are. Uh, but perhaps the wildest part is that this agency, they were asked for comment on this disaster. And in their words, they, they're still defending it because they're saying it still has good prospects. So apparently we should all stay tuned because the solar powered appliance boom is apparently just right around the corner. That part's crazy. Like we've all done something dumb, you know, and had to go to the boss and be like, hey, I took a chance on something, didn't quite work out. Uh, really sorry about that. But in this case... They send $13 million to the other side of the world. The people who pocket the money fire 150 people. And they're still like, yep, patting themselves on the back. We did a great job there. Good work, team. Unbelievable. The fact that they don't even recognize the mistake is just ridiculous. And that's exactly the reason that uh, here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we make fun of politicians and bureaucrats for doing this sort of thing because they do it way too often and they learn way too slowly. We're going to keep pounding away. All right, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thank you to our investigative journalist, but also our podcast editor, James Wood, for making it sound like we kind of, well, sort of know what we're talking about. And hey, if you've got some friends who are also sick and tired of being screwed over by government with high taxes, uh, share this podcast, spread the word. Catch you next week. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. 
If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.